This episode is brought to you today by Forage and Fromage. They are an edible grazing box and grazing gift business that specialize in a premium food experience for any event and occasion. It's Left of Field with Danny Kavanagh. Hello and welcome to the Left of Field podcast, hosted by me, Danny Kavanagh. And today I'm going to be joined by trailblazing, hardworking commentator, Cam Luke. Now you might have heard his voice in basketball or AFL circles. He also hosts Armchair Experts, NBL Overtime, and is on SCN Radio over in the East. Now, he's a commentator with a lot of experience, has done some epic calls. We chat about all of that. And our conversation also includes talking about cliches, where and when you call out plays. So much is discussed. It's really exciting and I hope you enjoy it. So let's kick it off. Hello, Cam, and welcome to the Left of Field podcast. How are you going today? Um, well, thank you. Thanks for having me. No worries. Thanks for chatting. Well, For all our listeners out there who might not know what you do, they might have heard your voice though because you do cover a lot of different sports. Could you give us a bit of a rundown on what you're up to at the moment? A little bit. There is a a lot going on and always changes in the time of the year. But as we head towards AFL Armchair Experts for Channel 7, which started off as a digital show and is now on Friday nights after Friday night football, we also have uh, an NFL version of that as well, which plays Monday mornings after Monday night or after Sunday night football, Monday night football in here. I am heavily involved in the NBL as well, NBL overtime on ESPN on Tuesday nights, as well as a couple of games a weekend in the commentary team. And during the day, my day job is as a radio host on a new station called SEN Track, which is uh, a little different to the regulation radio uh, when it comes to the racing industry, but has uh, really come up in the last year or so. We've got about 45 stations around the country, and essentially I get to sit, and I'm a big horse racing fan. My dad was a jockey, so I sit in the studio in the afternoon uh, telling stories with whoever I might be and having a lot of fun, uh, and then tipping and watching the races without having the races actually broadcast live. So we talk just like we would be in a pub, and we're like, hey, we're back number six, uh, and whatever for whatever reason, and um, yeah, it's Pretty much my life at the moment, of course. We've got the Olympics this year, so the armchair experts extends into Olympics and Paralympics. We do three shows a week, and there's a couple other things on the horizon. But so you're nice and busy at the moment. Yeah, you've got your fingers in a lot of different sports. Also, what I'm gathering from that is you love to give your opinion. How did you get so across all these different sports? Well, I, I got to be honest, Danny. I don't really have much in my life outside of sitting on the couch and, and, and watching sports. So... Uh, for people who know me, and I attempted to play basketball at a, uh, a relatively high level back in the day, I got to a point where I was like, look, I'm not going to be a professional athlete, so what's the next best thing? And it'll be, let's get into the media. And of course, like like a lot of people in media, I went through regional radio first and seen different parts of the country in, in, in regional markets before being lucky enough to be able to land a, a mid-dawn shift at uh, 1116 SEN in Melbourne around a decade ago. So from there... It just continually comes natural, and I, I just figure that exactly what I do as my job, watching sport, be it live or on TV, and, and having some type of opinion on it, is exactly what I'd be doing if I didn't have the job that I did. So I thought, how about if I just combine both what I would do normally into trying to make some money out of it, and that's where we sit today. And, and I think that a lot of people bought, have opinions. It's one of those weird topics that 
everyone thinks they're an actual expert. That's where the name the armchair experts come from. You, you, you very rarely see people sitting at home and thinking to themselves, oh, I've just heard from a brain surgeon. I've got better idea on that. It, it never really happens because, of course, there's a, there's a great deal of education and, and, and a lot of time and research and, and learning when it comes to those type of things. In sport, people can just sit on the couch or at the pub and watch something and totally disagree with the person who is actually making the point or is paid to commentate. So I thought to myself, as long as it's done in the right way, everyone's got an opinion on it and hopefully I can make a career out of it. And uh, so far, so good. How did you get started and how did you find your voice? So I was one day sitting at home with my best mate having a couple of beers and we were talking about like what we'd love to do going forward. And I always thought that being a breakfast radio announcer would be the best job. You roll on in, you talk till nine o'clock and then you just go home and you, you go about your day now. No doubt you get a little more tired, but that's out of play. So I actually touched base with some radio stations in, in Melbourne where I was living at the time and sort of just tried to get some advice. I just was like, hey, how do you get into radio? Like I'm not necessarily a funny guy. I'm not a I'm not a stand-up comic, not a reality TV person. So going on a Big Brother, which was the phenomenon at the time, isn't really going to suit me. So they were actually really good. One in particular in K-Rock in Geelong, the general manager at the time called you know called me and we had a meeting and he, he pointed me in the right direction as to what I should do. So I went and did a, uh, a year of postgraduate Swinburne University radio, commercial radio course, which doesn't exist anymore, which is actually really disappointing, but it, it was great for me. I'd, I'd never really been in a radio studio before and uh, jumped in there and, and did the year there and, and did placement at, at Swan Hill in regional Victoria, and uh, they offered me a job, and from there it sort of went from there to Goulburn, which I went up there and got my first full-time on-air gig hosting 9 till 2, and then I got lucky enough, very, very few people, in particular earlier in their career, are, are lucky enough to be able to find a job close to home in radio, and I ended up getting the drive show at Ballarat, which is only about 45 minutes from where I grew up in, in Backers Marsh in the west of Melbourne. And from there, I ended up at SEN. And there's been a couple of road bumps along the way, uh, in particular three or four years ago. But outside of that, it's been a continual uh, working towards getting better in, in, in all forms of uh, media. What is your style? What type of commentator are you? A very loose commentator. I, I think that the best thing about sport is that you can go to an event and you can sit down. You don't know the person next to you, and they can come from a totally different, unbelievable different life. I remember I, I tell this story every now and then. I went, to a, I went to a basketball game a long time ago. I'm talking maybe 15 years ago, and I sat down, and the person next to me was, in, in fact, a, a very high-level doctor. And we just got talking about sport, and we had totally different opinions on it, and he actually, in fact, was supporting another team. I was relatively neutral at the time, but... From that time, I thought to myself, the best thing about sport is that you can talk to almost every single person and everyone will have a slight opinion or even have a different way in which they support a team or why they support a team or why they believe this team is better or that player is better or that athlete is the greatest. And and that's essentially what I try to do in, in everything when it comes to either radio or TV. It's not It's not life or death, but it is fun and it is entertaining and, and people can take it seriously as well as it should be. So... My style when I when I have an opinion when I'm when I'm presenting beat on radio and TV it's just like I'd be sitting in a pub talking to either a great mate or a random stranger. Now, as time goes on, you got to learn to curate that a little bit and, and be a little more efficient with the way you're able to get that point across and and also to be able to work different ways. But the fact is that it is you know it's not a 1960s sort of hey I'm just talking to or at the person ripping off stats. I'm not a huge stats person. I, I believe 
in the eye test where essentially what you're seeing unfold is the best way to see who the best player or the best team out there is for, for whatever reason it is. So my style is relatively loose and that's when it comes to being able to create some of the shows that I did in the Armchair Experts and, and NBL Overtime. It, it my personality of like, hey, I know, I know sport. I love talking about it. I've got an opinion. But I'm not going to sit up there in a tuxedo and, and, and be dressed. So I would never go to a sporting event. It, yeah, a lot of social media can sometimes be a little bit harsh, but a lot of advice, in inverted commas, that I get is about the way I dress, how casual I am wearing a, a T-shirt on a TV show or ripped jeans. And I'm just like, well, what do people wear to sport? Like, I, I, I'm not going to go, unless unless I'm hosting a, an actual event that means I have to wear a, a, a suit and tie or I'm in you know, the members at the race, who, who goes to a football game or who, who goes to a rugby league game, who goes to a, a basketball game dressed in a full suit? It's meant to be something that's fun and in some way it's a escape for many people and it's escape from reality and life for a couple of hours to enjoy something they're passionate about. So I, I am a little loose at different times, but I also think that's what sport is and we are in 2021 and there's different ways to present and uh, hopefully I'm doing something right. Is that your way of, maintaining relevance to your audience? A a little bit. I also think that if you sort of giving good analysis or entertainment, I've actually been one of my my main talent is surrounding myself with people who are really good at what they do. And when I was coming up with the idea for the armchair experts or when I was coming up with ideas for for radio, the the number one thing someone like me has to do is to be like, hey, who am I going to work well with? And also, are they good at what they do? Because if, and in all fairness, if I'm the if I'm the the star of the show, so to speak, then it probably isn't going to get to the heights of which myself and the people paying me and the people paying the show is going to get to, and it needs to get to. So when it comes to relevance, I think if you're entertaining and you're getting across good arguments, good analysis, and you're talking about sport in the right way, that's what relevancy is. I don't think the actual personality of the person actually has you relevant i think it's what you are able to give across and 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 that's a good thing about media you can you can stay relevant as long as you continue to do a good job as long as you continue to work hard it doesn't matter if you're 25 years of age or 75 years of age if you've got the passion for it and the excitement is still there and you love what you do and you're doing it the right way i think you can always remain relevant even if even if you haven't played the sport for a long time or you've never played it like at the highest level like myself what then are some of the pressures of the role? Uh, being right, talkback radio is uh, is and, and, and it steeled me. I, I was never, I never thought I would do any TV, and so when I was coming through and doing media, it was radio, and uh, when when I got in talkback radio, it was like this is intense. Like social media hadn't quite got to the level it is today, where there's a lot of a lot of trolling, but. You know, you say one bad thing, you say wrong opinion that someone disagrees with, not only do we have a talkback line, and I always encourage listeners to call the talkback line because you can have that discussion, but we also hear it in Melbourne at SEN, we have a text line, and it is brutal. And it took me a little while to get used to it where people are essentially just calling you a moron and saying you've got no idea and you shouldn't have the job and and all the rest of it. So the, the pressure's... In particular, early in anyone's career, I think, of talkback radio is is the periphery advice that you do get. And it's trying to fight your way through that and believing that you're doing the right thing. And there are times where you totally stuff stuff up and you get advice. But I'm also now in the belief that, you know, with it being SEN or Channel 7 or or ESPN or, or the NBL or whatever it might be with brands, they're the conversations that I have 
where it's like, hey, am I, are we doing the right thing? Is the show going the way you want? Are we doing more and more of, of what you consider a, a good product? And, and, and that way, if the people who are charged and a lot of them are highly paid to be in those positions of power to make decisions, then that's the people you need to listen to. And I got good advice about four or five years ago where never take criticism from someone you wouldn't take advice from. And that's essentially the biggest pressure. It's not pressure to get stuff right because that's what you should be aiming for anyway. When I sit down to work on the armchair experts on a Friday night, which we spend all week preparing for, it's all about, hey, this is what we've got to do. We've got a game on Friday night. We've got to unpack that in an entertaining way. This is one of the biggest topics of the week. We've got to talk about this issue. I've got to be able to throw to this. I've got to be able to answer this question. I've got to be able to ask this question of, of Adam Cooney, who I sit on the couch with, or Campbell Brown, who I'm in the radio studio with, or whoever it might be. There's no pressure around that because that's what that's what we're paid to do. I don't I don't feel the pressure to be better at what I do because that's that's our job. The pressure comes from different parts where it's like, hey, you know what? These people are getting stuck into via the text, via social media. You've got to try and just give that a little bit of push to the side and not worry about it, which isn't always easy to do. There are times where it's a lot harder when it comes in more more quicker fashion and you get barraged a little bit more. But the, the, the pressure that be good at your job is just something that should always be something that's ingrained in you. And that's how I look at it. Like every time I, I go on radio or go on TV or we're, we're producing a show or we're sitting down at a team meeting, the idea is to be as great as, as we should be because we're lucky enough to be on TV and we have worked hard to, to get those opportunities, but it, there's very few that gets afforded to. So I, I don't never take it for granted and that's why I work hard every time that there's a, there's a show. So when it comes to pressure, it's more the... The stuff you get from strangers, which can come sometimes be a little bit annoying. How do you deal with unconscious bias when you're calling a game? I, I sort of got to a point. It's interesting because in my life, in my as being a sports fan, I've only ever supported really one team, like diehard Western Bulldogs fan in the AFL. <laughs> and it, growing up, it's always like that. Even in in basketball, which I was a huge fan of. I was in a situation where I, I did, I guess, support the Melbourne Tigers. Andrew Gaze, who I'm lucky enough to work with now on a, on a regular basis, was was like many kids my age, a, a hero. But I, I was never really deeply ingrained and passionate about any other team outside of the Western Bulldogs. So sometimes as I get got into the media and, and radio, it was like, okay, I've got to try and be conscious at, at some different times. Something that really helped was the Western Bulldogs winning the flag. And it was an exciting time for so many people and, no doubt for you know for, for Bulldogs fans, if any are listening, they'll be like, they still pinch themselves, I still pinch myself. It was an amazing time. My whole family is Bulldogs, and that's a close family, my extended family, so we're all Bulldogs fans. It was a wonderful day. But on the back of that, feel different. The main thing about being and supporting a team that had no success was that, hey, are we ever going to see, in my lifetime, I, like my dad was, 60, he was early 60s at the time, and he'd never seen a premiership. He was born in 1954, and the idea was like, like, will I ever like be at the MCG to see my actual team win? And as soon as they did, my whole sort of view on supporting the Western Bulldogs changed. Now, I actually sometimes think I'm harsher on the Bulldogs because of certain things that happen at the club when you're at, and I guess you've grown up supporting them. But once it sort of happened, that whole pressure valve just released. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I still love the dogs and I, I want them to win and, Maybe that'll change if they get to another grand final. But I, I don't spend every waking second worrying about if I'll ever see a premiership now, which was the 
which is the outlier. So it, it's actually worked from a media perspective. I don't really hide the fact I bag for the Bulldogs and if it comes up, but I also don't need to push it as well. And maybe I am sometimes harsh. I got a little, little bit of grief last year when I made some comments about Luke Beveridge and Western Bulldogs fans were, were pretty quick to remind me to support the football club, which I still do. But I'm also like, hey, I've got a job to do. And if the Bulldogs are making bad decisions or playing football that isn't up to the standard of which they should be, then I'll voice that opinion at different times and in different forums. Hopefully it's a better year for you. How do you... It, would be, it would be nice. It would be. <laughs> I'm a massive Eagles fan and I never, I never wow. really shy away from that either. No, and fair enough. And this is something I, I say with, with everyone. And it's a question that comes up every now and then. And there are people who are like really, really, really protective and private of the teams they support. And I totally understand that from a from a journalistic point of view as well. If you're writing articles or if, you're, if you are as a journalist, and I don't have a journalism degree, obviously, then there, there are times that I totally understand it. But I, I also think sport and radio and TV and the type of media there is today transparency is great. Like, if that's what excites you, we're meant to be loving this. And if you are in a situation where you're on radio, you're on a podcast, you're on TV, and your team just won the premiership, roll through. Be excited. That, that, is, that is exactly what we are. We are all sports fans at heart. We all get different roles and different parts of the play as, as we grow older and, and get into certain jobs. But, yeah, I, I always say, if, if you don't want to hide away from it, don't, because... In the end, we all love our teams for, for whatever reason. Some, it's, it's one team. Others have a team in every single major sporting league it feels like in the world. And that would be exhausting, to be fair, to be supporting and being passionate about a team in so many different leagues. But I, I say, hey, if you want to hide away from it, that's fine. But if you don't, that's also fine. I don't think it ever really strips away at uh, your integrity as a broadcaster. Now, who doesn't love a gourmet platter? And Forage and Fromage are a local Perth business that bring you all your on-demand gourmet platter needs. If you need a great gift idea for a corporate event or even entertainment with friends and family, you need to hit these guys up. Now, you can get same-day delivery. It's guaranteed to impress your guests with a satisfying range of high-quality and locally-sourced produce to suit different tastes and preferences. So all those fussy dietary requirements, they also cater to them. Now, I love these stylish grazing tables and they've got grazing boxes as well for cute little gift ideas. I got one of these platters to enjoy with my partner and it was delicious. He was really surprised and loved it. And there was so much fruit, good cheese and crackers. And honestly, it was just high quality local ingredients that uh, you really can't complain about. Today, all you lovely left of field listeners, I've got a great little promo for you. So head to the Forage and Fromage website and uh, they're happy to give you all 20% off your first order with them. So why not spice up your next dinner party or event and really impress your friends? As a commentator, how do you feel about cliches? Do you try and avoid them yourself? Yeah, I do. I do a fair bit, so it's sort of some stuff it rolls off, and, and occasionally we we get into a bit of humour when it comes to, in particular, the armchair experts and, and the natural humour or what we think is funny at different times. But with cliches, look, th- there are times where cliches are, are called for, and it just is the situation at the time where it sounds like a cliche, but it's actually not. And quite often, 
I'll preface that by saying this sounds like a cliche, but it isn't. So uh, I, I'm not some, someone who traditionally goes in uh, with a great deal of stuff written. It's just sort of what rolls off the tongue based on you know the information in front of us and what we've been able to see. So I think you notice when commentators dropping cliches all the time, but when it comes to them, I think they, they get used because sometimes they fit. And the word cliche is attached to them because it sounds like it's a cliche, but in the end, it's it's probably not. How much prep would you do for a game? I it, it kind of it really depends. It, it depends on on what role it is. So say for the armchair experts, the AFL version, we have a version on a Wednesday, which is digital only, at around five thirty, and then we have the Friday night version, which is, goes on Channel Seven after to the footy. And my whole week is spent on that show. So at some point, every morning, my producer and I, my main producer, we've got three on the show. We, we live right around the corner from each other. So four, I'll say four out of the five days, we'll have breakfast and we'll discuss what is happening. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday will be all about what's happening on the Wednesday show. We're trying to sculpt together what fits in a Wednesday digital-only show compared to a much bigger audience on a Friday night on TV after the game. But we're also keeping in mind that because we're after the footy, we can't jam-pack that with all these other issues because we know stuff's going to unfold in the four quarters at the MCG or off the stadium or Adelaide Oval or wherever the game is going to happen. So we need to be mindful of that. So we are continually working towards building that right balance. So I would spend every single, I'll say three hours a day, on the armchair experts as we head towards, and, and Friday's tradition is a lot more as well, in a situation where as we go forward, that's obviously probably the main thing that, that runs me for the week. When it comes to the NBL, uh, NBL overtime, I'll spend uh, probably late Monday night after the big weekend of NBL, probably two to three hours after I get off radio, just working through what the main issues are, working through what stats I want to like to use, even though I'm not a big stats guy, thinking of different questions. As the host, you've always got to be ready to play to a personality, be it uh, Corey Williams, who is the uh, the much more boisterous American superstar that we've got on the show, of course, a former league MVP. And, and he's, for use of a better word, the hype guy. He's great, but he's much different to the personality that I have with, with Liam Santa Maria, uh, who's the journalist on the show. And they're both brilliant, and the show is award-winning for those two very uh, important people. So that's something that's a little bit different with NBL Overtime because I've got two distinctly different personalities that I've got to be able to work towards to get our information out within half hour. Being TV, we're in, we're out. We don't have extra time to waffle on like we might occasionally in, in talk radio. So with that, essentially how that kind of works. And then for my radio stuff, it's a little more now because I do a lot more racing. So I've got to do the form. And because we're a national show, we, we have race meetings all across the country. And on any one given day, there could be six or seven. And, and say, for, I'll give you an example. For a Thursday, there'll be Eagle Farm later in the day, Pakenham at night, Wyong, Kilmore, which is a little closer to where I am, a little bit of Bunbury in the West as well. So to do the form for five or six different meetings takes a lot of time. So I'll get up probably around 6.30 in the morning, do a fair bit of form, watch some more videos, have some breakfast and then continue on. So a research, while it's hard to probably pinpoint exactly uh, how many hours I would do for such, I also, this is what I'm doing anyway. I'm watching TV. I'm, I'm watching horse racing. I'm watching the NBL. So research is essentially what I'm doing the entire time organically, even if I can't say, you know what, I've got to carve out an hour here to sit down and do this. The best kind of research, just getting to watch mm. sport. <laughs> and- exactly. And uh, what is your relationship then with referees, teams, coaches? How do you feel about calling them out in a game for a bad decision or a, a wrong throw? How do you feel about that? 
I, yeah, it's, I don't really have a great, when I say great relationship, I don't really have much of a relationship with, say, in the AFL, I, we don't have players on the show. We don't have a great deal of players on our NBL stuff. We do in the off-season. And I think that I, I try not to do it disrespectfully. And I also have an expert next to me, be it Adam Cooney, uh, be it Homicide on, on NBL, whoever it might be. So I've got someone who's played the game at the highest level who I can, without sitting there and just systematically ripping on a particular player or team, I've got someone that I can pose a question to who can then do it. And even though I don't 100% believe that someone had to have played at the highest level to be able to say, hey, you know what? Uh, I, I didn't think that was very good. I also understand the perception of it. I would never, on the armchair experts on a, on a Friday night, if, if there's a player that may have been running back with the ball and, and ducked their head for whatever reason, that, that's not my style. I'm never someone to say that is, that is weak. That's Trust me, I wouldn't do it. So I, I just don't feel now if it's someone who hasn't hit a target all night, uh, I'll pose it in a slightly different way. I'll be like, look, such and such, she's only went around a 35% disposal efficiency. That's not good enough for them to win games. I'll never really sit there and, and, and really whack individual players as such. I've got people with me, and that's what I mentioned earlier about having the people around me who are extremely talented and, and good at what they do. So it allows me to be able to not, not fob it off, but to be able to do it in the right way that's respectful. When it comes to organisations or ideas of, of, of mistakes that, say, the AFL or the NRL or the NBL might have made, that's, that's where I'm a little bit more different. I, I can be a little more opinionated there because I believe that uh, in my position as a fan in particular, those decisions they make affect someone like me. So I, I'm a little bit like that. And when it comes to those relationships, if I've really gone hard on someone, then I'll touch base with them. If it's someone that, you know, really had a pretty crack, big crack at the NBL, which doesn't happen much, I'll touch base with a Jeremy Lowliga who I have a good relationship with or or, or a club. And, and every now and then I'll I'll get a text message or a DM saying, come on, mate. And, and my phone is always open. My, my DMs are always open for people to touch base. And uh, sometimes owning it up and, and saying, look, I, you know, I made a mistake. I went a bit hard for whatever reason. Or sometimes it's like, look, you're a professional. You're getting paid a lot of money to, to play sport at the highest level. You're great at what you do. But on this particular occasion, I didn't think you were that great. And normally it works out pretty well. I'm sure there are players who sit back and don't like some of the things I say. But that's a, that's a world we live in nowadays where to be able to have more sports media boost up the commercial areas of the game. And then they make, in the end, the opportunity to make more money going forward. And with more opportunities, be it TV, be it digital, be it radio, there's more opportunities for athletes who want to get into the media. So I think that 99% of athletes, while they don't like to hear or see things that they may not like or, or the governing bodies, I think essentially they understand where it's coming from. Yeah, it's almost the art of knowing when to say something and almost when just to shut up. <laughs> exactly. For you personally, what have been some of the biggest moments that you've called or you've? what's a call that you will always remember as one of your favourites? Oh, it's a, uh, it, it's a good question. I... Um, it's always good doing grand finals like and being involved. And while I didn't compensate on grand finals, the fact is that to be involved, be at the MCG, have our show there the last couple of years and to be able to be there when the you know, victorious fans are coming out and it's been, uh, well, it's been West Coast Eagles, actually, in your part of the world in, in one year in 2018 and in 2019 with Richmond smacking the Giants. To sort of be in those type of situations have been pretty cool. When I was back doing some stuff for Melbourne United, we started NBL overtime 
the moment they won the championship, to be able to go onto the court straight away. And uh, I think we were doing a Facebook Live at the time and, and just to have the players and having a quick chat to all of them. Those type of moments as a sports fan, which I am, is essentially something that is really cool. To be close to the action, I'm, I'm very aware of the privilege of being in those situations to be able to to sort of sit there and, and be able to watch closely and a lot of times for uh, free, some of the coolest, one of the coolest things that I get to do. So commentary, you know, I'm obviously early in my NBL career, so I haven't had the privilege of doing a grand final yet. And I doubt uh, do that in the near future, hopefully not too far away. But yeah, just to be able to be there and, and have a small sort of role to play when it comes to giving people at home on TV or on radio a little bit of a glimpse of how much excitement's going on as, as people celebrate of winning a championship or a premiership or talking to fans who are spilling out of the MCG. Some are delirious after premiership and, and, and some are heartbroken. And uh, I know you being a, an Eagles fan, Danny, I'm not sure if you're at the MCG on 2018, but there was an amazing situation as the Pies fans were just heartbroken. You're a minute away from... You know, all the Pies were a minute away from winning a premiership and one of the, what I still contest was the best goal of the decade from Dom Sheed. It should have, it should have won goal of the year. I, I, I argue this every single year that goal and mark of the year should include finals because to be able to do that, that is very rarely done in the AFL nowadays from that pocket with 100,000 black and white fans booing him pretty much uh, was remarkable. So that, those, those uh, type of situations are really cool. What advice would you give to someone who wants to follow in your footsteps? Just be, be passionate about what you do. Like, I, I do love it, and I'm not that old, but I'm also in a situation. There are ups and downs, and when people say you've got the coolest job in the world, I could not agree more. I, I love what I do, but I'm also in a situation where like, it's like any job. Some days you have bad days, and in media, you know, you get sacked, and it's happened to me a couple of times, or you, you get passed over for a particular job. or uh, So there are ups and downs, like, in every single job, but... I always give this advice to anyone. If, you, if you're passionate about what you do, you're three quarters of the way there because it makes it a lot easier to be able to do. And for me, my passion is sport. I grew up loving sport. I love it more and more each and every day. And, and the very fact that I get to do what I do continues to make sure that love affair stays strong. But there are people who don't care for sports. There are people who just love building. And, 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 and there are people who, who love being an accountant. I, and yet again, I, 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 I can barely count. So that's not my... But, Whatever you do, if you are passionate about it, you're halfway there. And, and I went through some tough times three or four years ago where, you know, it wasn't great when it comes to work and I was struggling to get some. And that's, funnily enough, where I created the Armchair Experts and, and had the idea for NBL Overtime and, and got really lucky there. So uh, there was a time where I thought I was going to have to go out and, for me, get a real job, one that I'm not as passionate about. So I was lucky enough to be able to have a couple of breaks go my way. But... The advice I'd give for also, if you're passionate about it, you're halfway there and connections. Whoever you meet, doesn't matter. Don't say no to stuff. Like if it's an event on for it, from my point of view, it might be an event on a Tuesday night that I don't really want to go to. I'm not really that excited about it. I might have had a big day at work, but you meet people. And that's the thing now that I know, like people that are, a person I might have met six months ago who's the CEO of a of a company or, you know, 18 months ago. And I'm like, you know what? I've got a bit of an idea that I think could work. Touch base. We grab a coffee. A lot of times they say, oh, look, no, you know, this is why, whatever. But those connections continue to build and the network gets bigger. And I think it stands for anything, but I also think in particular for media in the commercial world we, we live in. Because if you are able to attach yourself to a particular brand or to get, a, you know, a brand, say, hey, you know what? I like this idea. I want to jump on board. How do we get this started? 
it makes life so much easier and it's something that will so yeah another project that i've probably announced in the next three or four months is something that happened in this exact way so yeah be passionate about it but also uh, network and connections and being being nice to everyone and, and things traditionally will come your way in a, in a good way no that's great advice and we look forward to seeing you then in some new projects and your ones coming back on air this year but thank you so much for chatting to me i really appreciate it no dramas at all it's been an absolute blast and uh you have a wonderful year as well the eagles are going to have a pretty good year too so no doubt you'll enjoy it but thank you for having me yeah hopefully you get a few a couple of good calls for the bulldogs but not too many not too many (laughs) (laughs) that's true and it shouldn't be an issue (laughs) a big thank you to cam and thank you for getting through another episode i hope you enjoyed that one why not give me some feedback jump on my socials left a field and tell me what you think And why not like and subscribe to keep this podcast going? Like always, have a great week and I will be back again in your ears next week. Bye-bye.